Hi, Paul. Hello, Janina. We are Long time back. no see. Yeah, we're back in the podcast recording, even though we're still at home, still at home, still COVID, a, still pandemic. Yeah. But we in are back. Podcast. Yeah. Spread, spread halfway across Stockholm. Yes. Uh, and we are excited to be back, but we have not been on holiday this entire time, Paul. Right? Uh, no. No, sadly not. It would be nice. Yeah. Uh, but uh, now the nights are drawing in and we've got nothing better to do than sit here and talk podcasts. <laughs> so uh, yeah. that's that's kind of lucky for our <laughs> listeners. Uh, and we just so to let everyone know. Uh, so... We are not just talking podcast. We are talking 5G, Paul. Oh, we are. We're talking 5G. Yeah, this what are we doing? the voice of 5G. Yeah. Where we talk about all things 5G, uh, the technology, devices, what you can use it for, uh, what's happening around the world, all sorts of stuff, really. Yeah. So what do we what do we got coming up that we're going to talk about today? So today we are talking about bringing 5G to power. So we've had an interview with uh, our technology and emerging business area, uh, our IoT people, uh, and also we have our uh, one of our senior researchers uh coming to talk about this area uh and, bringing and 5g from, power is a pretty good title of a report i think right it's a <laughs> yeah it sounds it sounds like it should have something to do with an election but uh, uh yeah. I, I think we're actually talking about uh utilities and and the energy uh, and energy industry yeah it's not about election it's about electricity electricity yes. <laughs> It's the it's the power of power lines in this podcast. Yes. What what can 5G do for uh, your uh, power, the electricity se- sector? Yeah. That is today's How will the world look when the electric coming out of the sockets on your wall are 5G connected? Yes. Yeah. What will happen? Uh so we uh, we're doing that, but first like yes, we who are we Paul and what are we doing here? Yeah, so I'm Paul Cowling. I work for Ericsson in analyst relations, and as a hobby, I uh, I joined Janina on this podcast to talk about 5G, and, yep. and we've been talking 5G all the way back to 2018. We've followed it all the way through the first implementations. Um, yeah, and uh, now we're into what are we going to use it for? Yeah, yeah. I work with social media. We both work for Ericsson, so I work with social media for an area called networks. So I know a lot about the networks and 5G uh, when it comes to uh, what we talk about. Well, what we sell, I guess. Out but there. to be fair, we're not the experts. And that's why we, we are bring not. in people that know what they're talking about to talk yes. about it. So if yes. you're listening to this bit, this is just us talking about stuff we don't really know about. No. But... So, but but stay but on the line, it gets better. <laughs> we're the funny people. We're the ones keeping you entertained, right, Paul? <laughs> uh, if you say so, Janina. <laughs> but, uh, but Janina, if people have topics and questions and things they want to reach us on, how do they get in touch? They email us on 5G podcast at ericsson.com. That's 5G podcast in one word at ericsson, C with two S's, dot com. Cool. We look forward to your mails. 
We do. Uh, now, though, a lot of things have happened when we have been uh, not podcasting, Paul. Uh, we have a lot of 5G networks. I was just thinking back to when we started the podcast, there was not a single uh, live network, not a commercial, like standardized live network anyway. So if you listen to that uh, episode, episode one, you might get uh, the, the view that 5G is not launched. Now it's launched. And Paul, how many live networks is it now worldwide? Worldwide? Um... We uh, well, uh, it's a bit hard to count really. But uh, if I if I look at uh, that reliable source, Wikipedia, uh, <laughs> then uh, th- then they show 110, if I can count, 110 different uh, operator networks live with 5G around the world. Uh, and uh, and from our point uh, from our point of view, we count 65 live networks today. That Ericsson has equipment. That's in. Ericsson. Er, yes. That's where Ericsson is live with as as part of the uh, as part of the five G network. Mm, so um, a bit uh, more than half. Uh, a bit uh, more about than half. half. Yeah, a little bit more than half. Mm? Plenty, yeah, so. lots and and uh, lots lots of countries have gone live over the summer since our last podcast, including places like Finland, Ireland, Spain, Denmark, and 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 a host of many others. But but what other interesting snippets have you got, Janina? I was thinking about this uh, self-driving car that we had in Stockholm here, because that was sort of like one of the first, what we call, use cases, uses, when 5G is used. Applications uh, for using Yeah, 5G. applications. Paul. Yeah, uh, and if, uh, yeah. If, if you go back, was it maybe a year ago now? I'm not sure. Uh, we had a little bus that drove up and down in Chista. It was uh, being, running on... Uh, Shista, where Ericsson has its main offices, they've had a 5G network uh, a long time before 5G was launched commercially. We've had a trial network there, and this was running up and down the street, uh, totally autonomous bus. You climb on and climb off and uh, and uh, save your feet the, the like half a kilometre down into the town centre. That was cool. Yeah. But uh, but uh, now now that's gone one step further, and in central Stockholm, a place called Eurogordon, there is is now another driverless bus which has which looks a bit more like a normal bus and has a bit more space for passengers uh are you going to tell us a little bit more about that janina well i think it's actually less like a bus this one looks more like a minibus but it it's uh so it's got a driver that sits there but he is basically letting go of the steering wheel and then the that minibus will drive itself so it's more of a demo but what's what's uh, fantastic about this uh, tour is that it's actually over 5G. Uh, when we did it in Sista, uh, I think they had a specialized network for it. Um, but this is actually uh, the live commercial or commercial part of it. Yeah. Uh, so, that so, the man, has. so the man sitting inside with with his hands off the steering wheel. It's a bit like the early the early cars where there used to be a guy with a red flag that walked in front. Yeah. So he didn't go too fast. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but that's, uh, that's that's running on Eurogordon in uh, in uh, I would say central Stockholm. Eurogordon's uh, one of the islands there. Mm. Uh, so if you're there, uh, go and have a uh, take a take a tour in the 5G connected minivan. So yep. you can uh, you can experience it, uh, 5G for yourself. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Yule Gordon is famous for embassies, lots of big embassies, including the American embassies and museums. So the Nordic Museum, the Varsity Museum and the Outdoor Museum, Skansen, they're all, all down there as well. But if you go, go on a weekday because it's not running at the weekend. Ah, OK, good to know. Good. good. Yeah. Um, so that's course, a... that's hmm? all relevant if you're listening from Sweden, because right now getting around is a bit is a bit tricky because of the uh, COVID restrictions. Yeah, yeah, we're still living with that. Now, I mean, we there are also a lot of news uh, incoming and we have this. Uh, well, Apple, will they release a 5G iPhone next week? Uh, and uh, there is a lot of other things that we need to talk more about, Paul. Uh, we have a lot of what we call technical milestones has happened uh, during um, the late summer and, and we need to go through them a little bit more. But I think this this is it for this podcast. We have a long uh, deep dive into what 5G can do for electricity uh, coming up. So just so you know, next week we will be talking about another way of using 5G. We will talk about uh, what it can do for public safety. Uh, so, uh, exciting new topic coming up next week. But now, shall we move over to the interview, Paul? The power of 5G. The power of 5G. I was going to start off with thinking back a little bit about now, very close to 20 years back, uh, when I worked for Ericsson in Kista and there was a huge power outlet. At that time I also lived in Kista. There was a huge power outlet, we had no electricity for three days and at that time of course we had you know, the factories were in Kista. There was a lot of people working for Ericsson in Kista and no power at all. No power for, I think, three days. Janina, I think you mean a power outage, not a power outlet. <laughs> Did I say power yeah. outlet? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> a power <Yes>. outage. <laughs> power outage. No, we didn't have a power outlet. We had a power outage. Yes. Were you no, there, I remember. Paul? Oh, you remember, Marcus? Yes, uh, I didn't work for for um, Ericsson at the time, but I worked in Shista. So, yeah. What, which year was this? Uh, it could be 01 or 02, I would say, uh, somewhere there. Okay. Uh, may, yeah. Maybe uh, even 03. Yeah. Uh, I I don't remember it, but if it was uh, if it was 01, I just arrived in Sweden, but was working in Kungenskrona. Yeah. Yeah, the other side, where we then had the main office, but sort oh. of like all the radio parts and, and it was uh, Ericsson radio system and Ericsson radio access that I worked for at that time. That was all in, in Kista with factory and, and all. Yeah. I mean, that is that was quite the catastrophe feeling where you're like, wait a minute, can't do anything. We're like, no, we are powerless. No, correct. <laughs> And I, uh, yeah. So and, and, 
that I mean that was a, a strange experience, uh, and it also shows shows you really how important uh, uh, energy having uh, yeah <laughs> having electricity is for a company. Yeah. Yeah. So, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Marcus and Patrick, yes. uh, yeah. welcome to our podcast welcome, today. Hello. <laughs> Hello there. Uh, here we go again. Uh, and today we are talking about a topic that I am not very good at. It's uh, about uh, utilities. In this particular case, it's about energy utilities. Can we call it that? Uh, so you need to uh, inform us a little bit about this topic to begin with when it comes to energy what kind of players do we are we thinking about here i can see that we have consumers consumers of electricity that is i guess one player who has demands but Correct. what other players do we have in this area yeah so if, if we take it from the start then we have uh, uh, power generations that runs the power plants generating the power that we have in the system. Yeah, so uh, producers. And, yes, or... producer of, of, of electricity. Uh, mm -hmm. so to say. Uh, and then we have uh, uh, networks connecting the power plants with us consumers. And you typically divide them into two layers. So you have, let's say, a national type of backbone system uh, uh, that is called transmission uh, in that, where you have the high roads, if you might say. And then you have the uh, distribution companies that are more closer to the consumer than uh, sometimes local in some countries they are covering very large areas. Um, so in in uh, yeah in Sweden we have Svenska Kraftnät as the backbone transmission op operators, and then we have a number of uh, distribution companies like Vattenfall, Eon, and so forth. Who are then also uh, producers, some of them? Yes, many of these are both uh, taking on multiple roles in this value chain, uh, both generating power and uh, distribute it and also resell it in the end. We have a reseller or a role of a retailer in, in the electricity market as well, especially in Europe, where that has been deregulated. So it's an open market for anyone to sell uh, electricity uh, and they can do that without the network infrastructure then. Yeah, can we just briefly uh, think about how is this working in the rest of the world? So you say, uh, yeah. so there's a deregulated market in Europe, but working generally around the world. Yeah, it, it differs. I mean, the electricity and energy system is typically something of great national interest. So you have uh, many, let's say, different regulations in order to protect the, the, the energy system uh, of, of different nations. You also have different preconditions, so like in, 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 in the Nordics we have a lot of hydropower, in other countries you might have a lot of wind and solar and so forth. So these, the, the characteristic differs and therefore you have different regulations as well to protect and secure power of supply. In, in European Union we have been trying to harmonize this uh, and therefore we have, let's say, a European uh, value chain where you have deregulated retail and, and power generation in order to uh, have competition here in open market as good as you can. Uh, there are still dialects here. In, in, in other countries we still have this integrated market where there's one utility 
doing everything from generation, transmission, distribution, and, and uh, retail or sell it to the consumers. I can, I can add to that that, that uh, for example, in Sweden, the revenues of, of power companies, I mean, they are adjusted. So you can say that you have, when it comes to distribution, the distribution of electricity and energy, it's uh, regulated on a, on a local territory base. So uh, there you have uh, uh, government, the, the Swedish government through the Swedish Energy Market Inspectorate and um, Swedish Energy en uh, Agency that are regulating the market in Sweden, for example. Okay. Mm. But uh, what? Well, no, that's uh, right. If I if I summarise, then you, you've got the transmission companies, and those are the guys that have the big electricity pylons that that march across the countryside. Uh, and then you've got the distribution companies, and they're the people that are that are, that have the cables in the street that lead up to your house, I guess. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, many of these distribution companies are covering very large areas. So, in a huge part of northern Sweden is covered by Vattenfall, for instance, and that's a distribution company. And, mm. and you have the same in in uh, in uh, in France, for instance. They only have one distribution company, ERDF. So that network is covering the whole country of France. Uh, yeah. So, so that differs from from country to country. How small and how big you are but in in some i think the smallest distribution company that we have in in sweden only have a few thousands of consumers connected to it so it's uh, very different in size yeah and and you, you mentioned different types of uh, electricity generation of course and, and yes and i know one of the one of the questions you know one of the one of the things that people want to solve in the uh, in the power industry going forward is it's just this question of of how do we combine different types of energy and and how do we dynamically manage the load that's that's coming from consumers and industry to the different types of uh, of um, generation that we have correct so in today or a few years back at least uh, the the input of power coming from a few but very large power plants based on coal gas nuclear and, and hydro typically uh, and uh, at the other end of the system where we have the demand or us consumers that are millions of, of, of uh, subscribers, as it was called earlier. Uh, that system is, as I say, demand driven. So if, if the demand, us consumers, needs more power, uh, you just put more fuel into the power system in the generation and, and, and we will get more demand. So it's very, let's say, demand driven in that sense. Mm. Uh, the power system of tomorrow when we are switching from uh, the coal and gas-fired power plants to uh, renewables like power, sorry, that like solar and, and wind power. We don't have a fuel, so we can't store that um, energy in the sense that we can put more fuel into the system when the demand is increasing. Uh, we have to consume that power when the sun is shining and the wind is blowing uh, in, in that sense. And that means that we need to balance this uh, system, as you say, uh, and here we're talking about flexible demand so we can steer uh, uh, loads in a way where uh, we can uh, cut off demand where we don't need it, but also storage, uh, especially batteries has been, uh, is a huge topic, how to, let's say, uh, build in more batteries in the system to balance power. Mm. Uh, today in, in Europe, uh, in four, we only have, we passed 1% uh, solar and wind in in the power mix in in the in the power generation mix and 
Uh, now we are up against 20% uh, sol- sun and, and, uh, or solar and wind power in the power mix. Wow. Uh, yeah, so that's a quite big difference in the market. And for, for investors, it's also challenging because when there's a lot of wind in the system, it means that the supply is increasing and, uh, and uh, the price is going down. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, the same happens with the, with the sun. So if there's a lot of sun in the system, the supply is increasing and the price is going down. So if you want to invest in an in an additional wind power plant, you can expect that the price will be very low when your power plant is generating power, right? So the incentive <laughs> to <laughs> you understand the issue. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so 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 you have a catch twenty two kind of. So if it's hard to pass these thresholds of 15 to 20 percent in the system because after that you will not get any return on investment Uh, and therefore the the balancing is so critical and also the storage in the system Mm. because if you can't store it or you can't balance the the the, or manage the demand uh, you will not get investors to to invest in in more solar and wind in the system Mm. Yeah. And uh, in uh, particular in Sweden, I know, but, I mean, we we do have some very big companies using a lot of uh, power, right? Yes, we have. Mm. Are, are they using this uh, this uh, the the national grid, or are they do are they also a customer? Uh, they are also a customer. There are a, a few, but very few that are connected directly to the transmission. Uh, grid as I understand but those are let's say the exception uh, but of course when, when you're having uh, uh, some let's say steel uh, companies and stuff like that they need a lot of power in order to let's say uh, run their business yes I, I can I can fill in there also that of course there is a debate now on on large data center uh, providers that are establishing themselves in for example Sweden so for countries, it's a very crucial also when it comes to job creation and and also to attract those industries to the country to pr- to be able to provide a very reliable and uh, cost efficient energy supply. So uh, that is a very high priority for uh, for many of these governments to to provide that. And 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 I can something that we looked into in our report is of course also the impact of even small interruptions. So the quality and re- reliability of this energy is very very crucial. Mm. And, and then, of course, there's, there's an interest and in, an in increasing pressure to move over to green or low carbon energy sources. Yes. So many data centers choose Sweden because we we almost have a total emission free uh, power system. So it means that yep. as a data center, the the, the megabytes uh, provided or stored or managed in, in these data centers are kind of emission free. Uh, which also is one of the targets of these uh, uh, digital giants, if I put it like that. Yes. Mm. Well, now I think we've set the scope, but I mean, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're not here yep. to explain <laughs> what, <laughs> how a power You're a spoil sport, Janina. It's, it's an interesting yeah. topic in itself. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps we should uh, go into the topic of the day, and that is, of course, 5G, um, 5G, yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and some IT. Yeah. Bringing 5G to power. And yeah. with us, we have Marcus Turnquist. You, you work with IoT platform services. 
uh, at a part of Ericsson. Explain what is IoT platform services, because this is IoT related, this area, right? No, exactly. I mean, uh, 5G can be a little bit abstract for uh, many consumers. I mean, today we are consuming uh, the cellular technology with our smartphones. But the big shift when you come to 5G is that we are going to consume 5G as IoT or Internet of Things. We are connecting things. In order to, to do that and help doing that, we need, let's say, an abstraction layer over the telecom infrastructure, which mm -hmm. make it easy for enterprises and society to connect things to the telecom infrastructure, the 5G. Uh, so that is what we're doing. We are providing that, let's say, uh, yeah, abstraction layer. layer yeah. or something like that. Yeah, to, something like that, that, which makes it easier to connect it. things to to uh, the telecom infrastructure. Yeah, and just to, just as a reminder for everyone out there, I mean, when we when we talk about IoT, we talk about that a lot. We've had even episodes about IoT and 5G, yeah. but uh, it means Internet of Things. It means connecting items so Correct. your connected uh, <laughs> freezer or uh, yes <laughs> but it can also be a lot more stuff yes uh, then uh, in this podcast we also have a senior researcher at our consumer and industry lab that's the ericsson consumer and industry lab patrick Hedlund. hi patrick yes hello there hi so we recognize your voice but uh, yes, so we have you here to talk about bringing 5G to power and meaning then power, the utilities, meaning electricity power. So what has 5G got to do with utilities and power? Yeah, I, I can take that from... from yeah, the please start off, yes. uh, Mark. Mar yes, no, so in... in uh, uh, what is happening when we're transforming the uh, energy system, as discussed earlier, it's not only that we will go from coal and gas to, to wind and, and solar. It's also that uh, we will have 100 to 1,000 times as many per power plants since wind and, and solar power plants are much smaller than the coal and, and, uh, and gas power plants. Uh, so we need to connect many more things. Um, we also need to connect the, the storage capabilities like batteries and also to connect the flexible loads, the loads that or demand that we can, let's say, disconnect or reduce at, at times when the sun is not shining and the wind is not blowing. Yeah, and um, now when we're talking about connecting, I mean, they are already connected. They are connected to a power grid. <laughs> Sorry. They are connected Sorry. to a power grid, but, but they are not, let's say, possible to, to communicate to you. We are connecting the smart meters at the end so they can, so the utility company can, can send us the electricity bill, right? Yeah. Um, and and uh, we are also connecting uh, typically the, the big power plants uh, and also uh, some of the transmission and distribution network, but only the very large assets, uh, important assets. The rest of the network is not connected, so we can't manage it in the way we need to um, for the power system of tomorrow. Um, so this is driving a huge number of connections. We need to connect a lot of things in, in for different purposes um, and, and to manage the, the network and secure uh, uh, the supply at, at all times. Uh, so that is one of the reasons. And, and is so interesting is that you can have different uh, connectivity solutions for different purposes. Today you're using a lot of fiber optics, you might use power line communication and a lot of other things, but there is only one uh, communication technology that can do it all, uh, mm. and that's the 5G. So for, for utility companies to be able to start 
consolidate or harmonize their many different silos of communication technologies that they have today, uh, 5G is more or less the only option that they have. Mm -hmm. And that make it easier for them to, let's say, apply security policies using one technology, uh, uh, to invest in, in expertise and competence and to manage it in, in that way. Uh, so therefore, many utilities are looking uh, quite heavily into the 5G technology right now in order to, let's say, make a strategy shift. Uh, this will take many, many years since uh, uh, it's a large undertaking. Uh, um, and also, it's not only changing the connectivity, but also the management system around it. Um, it's a digital transformation that goes very much beyond the connectivity itself in the industry. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's a it's a huge area with a lot of what we call use cases uh, for yes. for for both you know monitoring and managing, uh, getting alarms, and then also I mean there there is a I guess there is a a lot of uh, pressure to fix things when they uh, when they stop working and uh, you need to Correct. manage the people going out. In yeah, remote areas absolutely. and yeah. Mm. So I can see that there it's a big uh, area with a lot of different uh, use uh, usages for 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 connectivity. Yeah. Uh, and this is what's make it so complex to let's say connect everything because there's not one technology that can make it all or at least earlier. Um, uh, and that has been the, the headache for many utilities for many, many years, yeah. keeping different communication technology in parallel, in silos uh, together. Yeah. I guess mm. that's why you started researching this area, Patrick. Like, to, to, is it to make it easier for, for utilities companies or is it to make it easier for service providers to support them? Yeah, the I mean the kind of work we do in consumer and industry lab is to to take really an outside in approach, so to say. So we didn't want to start by looking exp directly at 5G. It's more to understand what are the needs of these companies, uh, what are the challenges that we see in society, uh, how did how do they see the telecom industry, and uh, and uh, what what possibilities and opportunities can we see. I mean, these two industries uh, doing the best and, and uh, not looking also only at 5D, but also in cellular in general. But uh, as you said, Janina, I mean, uh, network, I mean, DSOs or distribution system operators that they are called that distribute electricity, they want, of course, to be to minimize the impact of uh, faults in the electricity network to, to avoid situations that you experienced, Janina, some years, years ago. So. When there is a fault, they want, of course, to minimize the time that this fault uh, occurs, so to say, mm -hmm. to reduce the time. So they, I mean, instead of having a service person uh, going out, manually checking the line and to see if there is a fault, you can, with connectivity, get that kind of information very quickly by real-time information to see, yeah, this fault is there and it needs to be fixed in, in this way. You have to get that information. It's very valuable because... Yeah. It, it, so it's much it looks, faster to to sort of get the information and say, okay, the, it, there is something wrong with this uh, yes. uh, transformer, than to having to go out there check what is wrong and then yes. go back and get a new transformer and or whatever. Yes. And as Marco said in the beginning, there, I mean, the the network is quite top down uh, structure. So on the top level, on the large uh, nodes, there you have connectivity solutions, but 
on the lower levels closer to you as a consumer we we found out that uh, there is a low level of connectivity so there is no data connectivity that can give you this kind of information back to uh, operation centers so uh, of course that is the first step but then as a second step you would also ideally like to automate that so that when a fault occurs you can have an automated solution that uh, can solve that in uh, in a way that you reroute the, the electricity to another oh, alternative yeah. route so you as a consumer will not really feel or notice anything because the fault was already fixed before you even noticed that there was an outage uh, going to happen and in the best case you would of course anticipate that so before this even happens uh, the network is smart enough to to see that yeah there, there's something strange going to happen here so we anticipate that so that is the you could say a third level that we we see mm. in this you know that was actually the i think the fault when when it was this big power outage uh, in Kista north of stockholm in when was it 2001 or 2002 that was the problem that the it was a fire in a tunnel and that was the only uh, sort of way that the electricity came into this uh, this area yeah uh, i can mention sort of also that everything out yeah. i can mention also that remote control is a very hot topic right now in many yeah. many <laughs> industrial areas so yeah. instead of sending somebody out manually you can <clears throat> do quite advanced remote control and fixing things on the distance remotely mm -hmm. yeah I know. I know. One of the one of the use cases that gets talked about, for, particularly for power lines, is is doing remote inspection, being able to send out drones with cameras to to inspect power lines. Um, means that because they're often in very remote places, it's not easy to send people to 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 do a physical inspection. Correct. Um, so now that's an area where clearly a, a national grid or, or communication network. Uh, allows you to be more effective in, in how you monitor and maintain the network. No, exactly. I mean, you're both using drones, as you say, uh, not only for the network, but also for windmills, uh, obviously. Um, mm. and, uh, uh, to do, and that is already happening today. And we also see more utilities uh, uh, deploying uh, fixed cameras uh, along their infrastructure as well, uh, in, in some cases, to monitor uh, let's say uh, more risky areas. You might have areas where you typically have a lot of snow in mm. in cold parts of the world uh, that you want to monitor and stuff like that. So uh, uh, yes, that's increasing. Yeah. But and you can also see applications there for physical security. Uh, you know, pylons are very dangerous things in, with uh, high high tension. And Correct. You don't, want, yeah. you don't want people on site that are not authorized to be there. No, no. I mean, I mean, you also have authorized people that unfortunately uh, are being injured every year, every year, uh, and, mm. and 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 also uh, deaths in in this uh, industry due to uh, different accidents uh, uh, when working with with uh, high voltage power. Mm. Uh, this is, of course, also an area where we see not maybe commercial uh, deployments yet, but initiatives are looking at augmented reality, for instance, where you can see what power lines that are uh, hot, so to say, where you have power and what are cold, which is safe to work with and stuff like that in mm -hmm. order to, to help. I mean, today you have unfortunately issues where, where, where uh, a field technician might think he is on one site or he is on one physical site and the distribution 
management uh, center thinks he's somewhere else and, and unfortunately disconnect the wrong uh, power line or the, the wrong asset. It's very uh, rare that it happens, but it happens um, uh, once or twice over the last, let's say, decade in, in a country. And it's extremely unfortunate when, when those things happen. Uh, so you need to, let's say, uh, improve the safety of uh, uh, the people working in, in, in here. And also, as you say, unauthorized persons should not be there at all. Mm. And you need to also secure that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So we have a lot of, uh, of sort of use cases and a lot of yeah. things that we can see could benefit from, from connectivity. First of all, I want to ask, so what's, what, what are the main things that 5G uh, can do that other uh, technologies can't? Like what are the main things? Perhaps this, uh, I'm not sure, is this a question for Patrick? I think it's a question for both, but mm. I mean, we we have we have done uh, a report bringing 5G to power, where we looked at uh, some particular use cases. Then I guess Marcus can elaborate a bit on the broader scope when it comes to this. But the deep dive dive that we did into this was when it comes to the the quality of energy supply and uh, in the distribution network and how that can be improved through automate so digitalization and automizing the the network. So in, in that perspective, we wanted to see the role of 5G in that context and what kind of business value uh, 5G can bring to the energy network. And so, so what would it, in other words, what would it be worth in monetary terms if mm -hmm. an energy company can improve the quality and get a better regulation? So, yeah, so, so, so first of all, we think that, of course, digitalization and connectivity has a, has a great value to bring here. And mm -hmm. uh, a lot of failures can be can be brought down, so to say. Uh, so, for example, we, we think that uh, up to 75% of, of interruptions can be reduced with, with connectivity. And also labor costs can be reduced by 50%, which is very, very uh, a lot, so to say. And also 10% of maintenance costs can be brought down. Mm. Not all of this will require 5G, of course. So here we talk about connectivity in general terms. but uh, as I said in, in my earlier, uh, and I talked earlier, was of course that we see a lot of different use cases where connectivity will be needed from the most simple use cases that you just get basic information or data from the field. What is, what is the problem? Why is the interruption happening? And so on. To remote control that requires something additional to it. So you can uh, in real time control it or you can do something on the on distance and to full automat automation where you uh, are automatically uh, deviating uh, electricity and fixing the problem uh, in a very very fast manner and in order to do that you need really low latency so there is I think where 5G comes into play because as you know 5G one of the big promises of 5G is of course uh, a huge data capacity, but also low latency, a round trip delay. So, in order to automatize these kind of systems, you would real you would need really low latency in order mm -hmm. to 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 do that. But of course, 5G is not only the only solution. You can do this with fiber as well. But as you know, fiber is quite cons costly and uh, time consuming to 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 do all the cabling and so on. So we we have seen. In, in these discussions that 5G is a very viable option in many cases. Mm. 
to retrofit existing infrastructure. For example, in Sweden, there are close to 200,000 substations that need connectivity. And to do full extensive cabling with fiber to all of them is not going to be a, a viable, viable option. Mm. So we think that cellular has a great role to play together with other mm. connectivity technologies, but it's not by far the only one. And my recommendation is really to look at what is the need? I mean, what is the use case we are looking at? And what is the particular situation of the energy grid in that particular location? Mm. So that, that, that is where, where we see that 5D uh, is going to have an important role. But I think Marcus can probably elaborate a bit more on other use cases that we didn't really look at it at this research yeah. particularly. Yeah, well, there are use cases where low latency, as I say, are key and important uh, for for utilities. They are, however, uh, not that many. There are a number of them that, let's say, differentiate and makes 5G important uh, to make it happen. And many of these use cases maybe are starting to be deployed right now. But when you really use the real-time capabilities in a couple of years, when, when the network is becoming more and more volatile due to the enhanced use of solar panel batteries and, and uh, wind power and so forth. Uh, I think that another uh, interesting aspect of 5G is, is rather uh, the possibility of slicing and uh, that we're seeing today where many mm -hmm. utilities are very, let's say, concerned about uh, security, uh, cyber security. Uh, yeah, you don't uh, want your energy grid hacked. No, this is a critical infrastructure. I mean, we're talking sometimes nuclear power plants and, and, and so forth. And, and they don't want, today they build their own network. Uh, it's also like that, that even if they would trust the telecom operators uh, for, for a nuclear power plant, using that as an example, it's not necessarily that the, the, the telecom operator is willing to be liable for any damages to a nuclear power plant, right? Uh, so, so, so therefore, it makes sense that the utility builds their own network for certain sites where they have very critical infrastructure, right? And the mm. combination that we're now seeing with 5G emerging where where you can, as a utility, have your own private uh, 5G network or LTE network for a certain critical site, combining that with public uh, network from the telecom operators, wide area per country, and you can integrate that in your own slice, meaning that no one else is able to touch that one, like building your own data center based on AWS or something like that. You can build your own uh, uh, telecom network uh, today using 5G. And that is making the 5G technology more safe and secure for the utilities, making it easier to use instead of their own existing communication technology. So I think that is a key aspect of, of 5G. Mm. Mm. I, I, want, I want to say one thing, and that is that, I mean, all, all the companies and experts we sp spoke to are saying that uh, the future of, of this kind of grids is they, they are digital. So you're going to need connectivity in one form or another. Maybe you don't need to start with 5G from day one. You can, as many say, they are already starting today with 3G or 4G, LTE, and so on, and will eventually evolve to 5G when 5G is available in that particular market. But approximately 10% of all the investments in these kind of networks are going to be ICT related in one form or another. So uh -huh. there is an opportunity here for uh, telecom operators and other players to go into this business. But uh, you need to be aware of the things that Marcus mentioned, the perceived security, 
uh, also to, to how you're going to provide this uh, ultra reliable network that cannot really fail. The electricity grid cannot really be a best effort. It needs yeah. to be there all day. So we are talking about minutes per year that it can be down so, or even less. So the whole society is really depending on electricity. So in that context, our, what we do in the telecom sector is going to be really, really important and inter interesting the coming years. And uh, mm -hmm. who is going to secure that public infrastructure? I think it's interesting if you look at, if you talk about reliability of the, of the network, you talk about this change from a small number of very big power stations to a much larger number of distributed wind and solar sites. Um, one of the things that, you know, in terms of from a systems point of view that that gives you is is uh, much less dependency on any individual generating point. No, exactly. Uh, you can build a network which is which is more resilient, just because it's generating power in in many more places. Absolutely, uh, and and I also think one aspect of of the five G that we have maybe not talked that much about. Is, I mean, the vast majority of sensors and things that you want to connect with the power system in the in of tomorrow are, let's say, massive uh, type of IT things. I mean, there are cheap sensors that are going to sit in the network for a long time um, and consuming very low level of data in the system. So this low power wide area network type of connections or massive IoT is uh, also very important for the utility network. You can have sensors anywhere in the system without it costing you a fortune mm. uh, to collect data using the same, again, security policy, using the same type of network slicing that we can bring with, with 5G, get that data in, in a secure manner. What is important here is maybe not uh, if you have a temperature sensor or uh, wind or this uh, vibration or something like that, that type of data is not uh, important to, to protect in the sense that it, it's, it's confidential. Uh, but for the utility network, it needs to be able to trust that data that it's true. Uh, because it's, if it's starting to collect fake data, it, it will take the, the wrong decisions. So, yep. so therefore, you need to be able to trust the data. And you need to be able to get it in. But again, if you have a thousand sensors out there giving you temperature in one area, if one fails, it might not be the most critical thing that happens. Mm. Yeah. But and then you've also got, of course, from a from a structural point of view, you, you know, you've got to uh, you've got to avoid the possibility that people can hack into your system by Correct. exposing vulnerabilities in some simple simple uh, uh, sensor or something. Yes, I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's general when it comes to uh, the five G and IoT in general. That that we need to be able to to explain how the security should be designed and how it could be set up in order to bring the trust and security that is needed for critical infrastructures, not only utilities but in general. Mm. So, so uh, I I think that. Uh, uh, giving this trust and and the confidence to that uh, this kind of solution will work both from, from a security point of view but reliability but also the the long-term perspective that many dso's mentioned when we interviewed them that they perceive the telecom industry to be very very fast i mean the, the information technology is evolving every day so to say and uh, um, in the utility business we speak about 10 perspectives of 20 30 40 years so that was just the perception that was also mentioned in the interview yeah. that we did. Mm. Yeah. It's important to keep in mind.
Yes. Yeah. But 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 if you look at the telecom technologies, uh, GSM uh, started rolling out in the nine. And, and and it's still in the networks today. So you know, in terms of a longevity of a, of the solution, you know, then the, then you can see five G is there for them during that kind of time span as well. Yes, that's correct. True. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, we've talked a lot about you know, the 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 challenge and what we're trying to achieve and the different technologies. Uh, where are we on the timeline? What's 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 happening now? And uh, what do we where where do we go next? No, I, I think that this development has started. So we're in the the ramp up of of, of this, where we're starting to ramp up. Let's say. Uh, this development uh, and uh, there's still a lot of things to do there are a lot of concerns how to use the technology so i think that we will have very interesting years ahead of us and uh, uh, over the let's say five or ten years a lot of things will happen in the market also considering the uh, co2 emissions that we need to let's say uh, reduce in 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 the world today uh, this is a, a key tool to to do that yeah. mm. But I think there, there is a call to action here to to uh, telecom sector to 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 think about I mean the needs that these uh, utility companies see, see and how how uh, telecom operators can become more relevant in this business, but also what kind of business models that will be the predominant ones, so to say. Will it uh, yeah. probably will not be to to sell uh, subscriptions? It will be to provide a more value based approach to mm-hmm. this. But but also to consider the things that that uh, the fears and the and the doubts that that they feel, and also these hybrid models that Michael talked about with private and use of public networks to some extent. Yeah, I think that's a, a good uh, end call to action to telecom companies there uh, to look into this area and see that there are opportunities both uh, in improving. Uh, the power distribution and also perhaps make some money. Uh, So good call to action to people out there. Uh, And thank you, Patrick and Marcus, for joining uh, this uh, podcast and talking about uh, 5G, uh, bringing 5G to power, 5G for electricity utilities. Thank you, everyone, for listening as well. And... Bye. Bye. Bye.